Because when he speaks, when he moves, things change, things move. I'm thankful I serve a risen God. I'm thankful that I worship a God that cares for all of my needs. Can we just worship him? Can we worship him, church? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be in church tonight. Let me try that again. I don't know about you, but I'm just excited to be here tonight. I believe with all my heart God's going to do something great tonight. Just been praying about this service the last few days. And I want to preach here in a minute out of the book of Luke. And I want to talk about the story of Zacchaeus as the very familiar story of the Bible. And as you're opening your Bibles and finding Luke 19, I want to give you kind of the title, the thought of what I want to share tonight. And I, I, you know me, I won't be long. But this is just something that's in my heart right now so bad. They're in the trees. That's the title of what I want to talk about tonight. They're in the trees. Luke 19, 1 through 9 says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and grabbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached that spot, I want us to focus on that word. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to murder. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Pastor Randy, would you just pray over the rest of the service for us, please? Amen. Let me guys ask you a question just before I get going too much further. And I want you to be just real honest. Do you believe one person can make a difference? Some of you have convinced me. Do you believe one person can make a difference? If you read one verse in verse 5, and that's one I want to just kind of hang there with a second, is that line where it says, when Jesus reached the spot. There's something really interesting there in my mind. You know, there's already a whole, whole lot of power coming into our lives when Jesus reach, or reaches a spot in our lives. And you see, Zacchaeus didn't want to meet Jesus. He just wanted to see him. There's a lot of people in our community, in our world, who just want to see God. But they don't necessarily want to meet him. Because they are comfortable enough and satisfied enough to see God at work, to see God in their community, oh, you know, to see him through social media and, and different other avenues at work in your life. And maybe they're just a little bit curious. But I am thankful tonight that when the world is curious, it's really God who's at work and who's calling. 
Because you see, Zacchaeus just wanted to see, but Jesus wanted so much more. He wanted fellowship. He wanted a relationship. And verse 5 again, when we see Jesus had reached the spot, guys, I'm telling you, there is a spot for you, for me, and everyone else. I am so thankful that when Jesus is always in that spot and he's always ready for us, it's usually when we're curious or we have questions. But the ending will be, how do we respond to that? You know, we think it over and over and we calculate everything in our mind. Have I gone too far? When you're asking yourself, can God still use somebody like me? Does he have anything for somebody like me? How could he do some, something for someone like me? And tonight, I'm not sure how you got to church. Maybe you came because it's a thing to do. Maybe you came because a friend or a, a coworker invited you or your parents said you're going. Maybe you're at home tonight watching through one of our live streams. But maybe, just maybe, you're curious. Maybe tonight you want to see what this is all about. Maybe just even get a glimpse. Church, Jesus does not want just a glimpse of you. He doesn't want a Sunday morning version of you. He, he wants all of you. He loves you that much. He values you that much. He wants a relationship with you more than anyone else you'll ever meet in your life. If we go to the story of Paul in the prison, and you remember they prayed at midnight, and the chains fell and the prison doors opened, and all the prisoners ran out except for Paul and Silas, and here comes the jailer who at first was in shock and not sure what to do, but then was overwhelmed and to still see them there. And the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with, all, with everything you have and you will be saved. And what did they say next? You and your whole household. You see, sometimes we are so narrow focused and we are only looking at the small things, but God's like, I've got a bigger plan. I'm always looking at what the bigger picture is. Zacchaeus only wanted a glimpse, but at the end of the day in the, sto in the, in the story, he got all that and more that God wanted for him. And the last part of verse five, he says, I must stay at your house. And if we could reread those scriptures, you know, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, and all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come. You know what's interesting? Because Jesus Christ is the son of man. He is the ultimate servant. And we can tell in these verses as Jesus is going about, he isn't just walking with his head down, just kind of going along. Because if you notice something, when you have your head down, how much you're missing. Jesus might have had a rough day or a rough afternoon, but he wasn't looking down. You see, in the back of his mind, he knew where his journey was taking him. And he knew eventually he would be headed to a cross to pay a sinner's death and with a sinless life. He wasn't looking down. When you're looking down, you're missing a whole lot of things in this world. But when Jesus started this journey, he had his eyes forward and he was looking to see what he might notice. You see, lost people are everywhere. And we need to be about the Father's business and go into the places he has placed us with and not with our eyes down, but with our eyes up and searching. We need to be like Jesus and find our spot, if you will, and get to work and start pouring into people, building relationships, discipling people, teaching a Sunday school class, getting involved somewhere in ministry, finding opportunity. 
We don't need to wait for when the pastors or somebody on the church staff calls. Get involved. At the moment you came to that altar, everything should have changed. Your desires, your wants, your needs. And there should be a desire inside of you to say, I want to serve. We need to be there and be ready like Jesus. And I want, the, I want to be there. I want to be in my spot when the time comes and when Jesus connects me with other people and puts them in my path, I want to be ready. There are many things that we can take from the story of Zacchaeus. Some have said he is a liar. So whether it's the liars among the world or the curious, there's still some lessons we can learn. No matter how bad we want to judge any sinner, I want to tell you something. They are all looking for Jesus. Here's a question. Will they see him in you or will they see him in spite of you? Will they hear when you are passing by and they hear that you are coming? Will those sinners run out ahead of time just to get a glimpse because it's obvious of the work that God is doing in your life? Do those people at your work areas and the break areas at work, when they see that you've gotten overlooked again for a raise, but yet they're still amazed at the spring in your step, the joy in your heart because you're about the Father's business. Your head isn't hanging down. Your attitude isn't, oh, poor pitiful me. Well, no one likes me. No, when you have your eyes focused, when your mind is ready for the things coming, when you, when you keep going to your spot, God is for you and the smile is still there, that unspeakable joy that hasn't been shaken. People want to get a glimpse of what God's doing in your life. Church, folks don't need me any more than they need you. They only need what you and I have. So you have to let your light shine and find the spot and always keep your eyes up. A servant always looks. It doesn't matter how long you push someone down, as long as their eyes are always on the prize, they are always going to see the need. They are going to reach who they need to reach. They are going to be there for the ones that God places in their path of who they were sent to. Let me ask you a question. Are you looking up tonight? Or are you walking around with your head down, overwhelmed with everything about you? Get your head up. Get your head up. Because I promise you, if you're a child of living the God, your future is bright. Let me say that again. Some of y'all need to get a hold of those four words. Your future is bright. Let me just say it again. Your future is is bright. If you have made the commitment to Jesus Christ, he's the King of kings, Lord of lords in your life, your future, the end result of where you are going, it is done. That's it. It doesn't matter what devil can throw at you. Man, my business is hurting. My friends are leaving me. Man, nobody's inviting me to this or that. It don't matter. Keep our eyes up. Keep our eyes focused. I understand life is hard, but do not be controlled by temporary circumstances. In the end, we're going to make it. I remember about three years ago, I got this awesome opportunity to go and minister at a camp in Georgia. I was pumped about it, and I'm not going to lie, guys, I worked my tail off on that trip, getting those messages ready, researching, fine-tuning all the words, making sure I said every word right. I rehearsed those sermons I don't know how many times. I wanted everything just to be awesome that night. We prayed, we prayed, had a great, great service. And I will never forget this little boy because he's got the same name as my oldest son, Peyton. 
He come walking down to the altar and he just stood out like a pretty bad, I'll just put it that way. Because he had on old raggedy clothes. He had clothes that were just too big for his little body. He had physical deformities with his hands and feet. I'll never forget that little kid. And I remember saying, I want to pray with that kid tonight. I went down to that altar area and I said, you know, what can I pray for you? And he said, man, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. And we, we prayed. He accepted. And man, I'll just say it was an awesome night. I was, I was walking back to our room. I, was, I felt good. All the hard work we had put into these things, the sermon, the prayer, the et cetera, and all this to come together, man, I was on cloud nine. About an hour later, if you've ever been to a camp here or with any of our camps, we do a thing called fun time at the end of the night. We walked over there, and I just, I had in my mind, I want to find this little boy. I want to talk to him. I want to hang out with him. And as I walked into this area that we call a canteen or fun time, he was sitting at the table with a very, very old man. And I, I just went over and introduced myself, asked if I could sit in. We talked for a while. And as he was sitting at the table with this older man, I heard them finish their conversation, and the boy left to go play with the other kids. And that pastor's eyes were just overflowing with joys and tears. And he shared with me that boy's little story of him being a foster child and how his wife and him had taken the boy in and been pouring into his life for several years. Guys, something hit me hard that moment. It changed my thoughts on a lot of things. It wasn't my message that night. It was this retired pastor who should be enjoying his last years with his wife, traveling, enjoying all that they could. They put in so much time. But they said, no, there's a spot. And we got to stop right here and we got to help. We got to show the love of Jesus to this boy. For months, if not years, they poured into a little boy that had been abused in so many different ways. It wasn't something that I preached. It was a couple that had built so much with a little boy. They had built a bridge of relationship, trust, accountability. And tonight, and that night, it all came together. And that boy, because of the results of what had been poured into him for years, was saved by the grace of God. We need to, as a church and society, need to get over who gets the credit. Let God get the glory and the church will be stronger than it's ever has before. We could take our communities, we could take back our families if we didn't worry about who got the credit. If you go over to Luke 18 and, and in verse 40, Jesus ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want from me? This is the story about blind Bartimaeus and there's some similar things with that in Zacchaeus' story. They both needed something from Jesus and Bartimaeus was told to be quiet that he needed to calm down, but nothing could stop him. And no one could get in the way like Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus. All they really wanted was just a chance to see Jesus. Zacchaeus only wanted to see Jesus. And Bartimaeus was like, if I can get to him, I can see. But man, these guys both had to battle the public opinion. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been talked about? Have you ever walked into a room or a place where there were other people and you knew instantly what the conversation was about because they didn't know how to act in that moment. It got quiet. It got awkward. How do we respond? How do you respond? People have been talking all about Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus and everyone's got an opinion on these two. You know, I heard this the other day and I love this thought. When you turn on the light, 
It brings light to where it's needed. But if you notice, it also attracts flies. Let me say that again. When you turn on the light, it brings light to where it's needed. But it also attracts flies. To those who have had other people's opinion on your life and on your journey in Christ, I say this to you. Don't worry about the flies. Enjoy the light that God has brought into your life and look what he is doing in you and through you. I believe with all of my heart in the day and times we are living, God is wanting us to be more about his business, but we are too consumed with the flies of the world. Find your spot and let God use you mightily. In the end, the crowd seemed to accept and receive Bartimaeus and the miracle, but for some reason they still rejected Zacchaeus. It seems like we have spiritual arrogance to the people we used to be like. And sometimes, and somewhere between our salvation and our current moment of where we are, we have forgotten that we are to be about the Father's business. We have forgotten about the love that should be overflowing out of us and onto others. Church, don't get me wrong. I love what I do as a minister and as a pastor. And I want you to hear my heart on this. I ain't trying to be mean. But you know, we get in these places and our attitudes are really low and we are negative and nothing makes us happy. And I remember being on the phone with a, with a friend a few weeks ago who had made up their mind that day that they were just bound and determined to be ticked off. You ever had one of those phone conversations? More times than not, I'm trying to think, how can I get out of this conversation without lying? I was just listening. I was listening, trying to be a good friend, trying to be supportive, trying to be encouraging. And then finally, I just couldn't have it, take it anymore. And I finally just interrupted him. And I said, you know, hasn't God's hand been all over your life and his blessings been all over your life? Conversation got real quiet. I guess the guy was just determined to suck lemons that day. You see, our mindset will say a lot about us. Yes, there are times we all get in ruts, but we have got to pick ourselves up and get going and choose, you know what? Regardless of what I'm going through, I choose to be a light for somebody today, for someone this week, and say, I am determined this coming week, no matter if it's in my work, my school, wherever I'm at, I want to make a difference for someone. Here's a hard one for you. Which is greater, the miracle when Jesus fixes the physical or when Jesus cures the character? Our job is not to judge what is happening in someone's life when Jesus is stirring waters and breaking people into the church we never thought would see or even darken the steps of this church. Church, let me say it very clearly. I want you to hear me. The building that you are setting in tonight is not a memorial. It is not a monument. It is not something that we can share on Facebook and say, oh gosh, ain't it pretty. This is a 24-7 hospital for the lost and dying of this community, country, state, nation, and world. People are going to come in here broken, smelly, not have brain name clothing on, drunk. They are going to vote differently than you. They're going to believe differently than you. They are going to mess up the vans and the hallways and the classrooms. And they're not, and they're, they're not going to think like us. Our job as the church of Jesus Christ is to be in our spot that God has given us and pour into them the love of Jesus Christ to build bridges and relationships and then watch what God will do. Yes, there is a time that we have to help correct, say, hold on a second. If you're a parent, you understand that. I have a two-year-old two -year right now, 
And I am constantly saying all the time to Cooper, no, you are not going to stick your finger in that because I know what's going to happen. But if it does happen, my job as a parent is to bring correction and show the child what has happened, but not to judge him. Why am I not supposed to judge him? Because I too was once two years old, and I'm willing to bet if you ask my parents, they could tell you some very good stories about me back from the day. In the same way, when new Christians come in, love them, help them, encourage them, regardless of all the stories you've heard about them around town. I want you to listen to this quote and story for just a moment. This person said this in an interview. I'd like to find out what Jesus was all about. You know, separate what's reality from everything else. To find out the roots of what's become a major religion in my time. You know, I was raised in a good Methodist home, and I have questions about organized religion. And there are so many questions I have, and I would love to have the answers to these. This came from an interview. I'm sure a lot of you guys would never have heard of this guy. It's a guy by the name of Hugh Hefner. You know, I just wonder... I wonder if he, before he had died, if he had come into the altar in here, would we have swarmed him in love and prayed with him in the altar or talked about him on the way to the restaurant? I'm not interested in judging who's the worst sinner or the worst among us. I'm not here to tell you who has the best halo and the greatest among us. All that I am interested in is keeping my eyes up and being ready for my spot of ministry. And when the chance comes to minister, to build relationships, to disciple those we can, and church, we need to get to work. Second thing is this. Just say these two words with me. No one. I want you to say it again. Say no one. No one is too far gone. I'm so glad that no one alive, that has been alive, that's been placed on this earth, any of my friends that know the real me, I'm so glad you're not on a panel of judges to decide my worth or if I'm good enough. None of us, in fact, are on that panel or ever will be. And I thank God for it. How dare we think we're wise enough or how we think how weak the cross was or how empty the tomb was. We need to remember and recognize it's his all power. It's his all knowing. He is all present and he wants to extend an invitation to those when he wants to. It's not us, our job to judge. No one is too far gone. Right when I said that phrase, I dare say some of you had somebody pop up in my head. Well, you don't know about that one. That child isn't too far gone. That husband or spouse, they're not too far gone. That grumpy old grandpa, they aren't too far gone. To kids and teenagers, that mean teacher who gives you way too much homework, they aren't gone. No one is too far gone. Church, God is capable of doing more that we can dream of if we would just believe his promises and hold on to them. Some have even got to the point of saying, you know, I believe God could save someone like Hugh Hefner. But that grandchild of mine, no. That husband, wife of mine, you don't know what they've done. That drunk that lives near me. That child molester who lives on the same street. You fill in the blank. 
God can do some amazing things in our lives if we will let him and believe in it. I saw this quote, despite hundreds of sermons on forgiveness, we do not forgive easily, nor find ourselves easily forgiven. Forgiveness, we discover, is always harder than the sermons make it out to be. It's one thing to preach forgiveness. It's another thing to walk it out. But we have to walk it out. There's a book that I bought about a year ago. I, I love this book. I don't, I'm not a book reader. I'll be honest with you. I don't like reading books. It's hard for me. But I bought this book, and I literally have probably read it at least six, seven times. And I would recommend this book to anyone who's having trouble with unforgiveness. It's a book called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. And there's this phrase in the book that I just cannot ever forget about, and it says this. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count. In the book of Luke 6, it says, give and it shall be given to you. Matthew 6 says, forgive and it shall be forgiven. In the eyes of the people who knew Zacchaeus, this dude was pretty bad, near the bottom of the scum factor for many. So to me, and I know the big reason Zacchaeus went to the tree was because of his height. But you know, guys, I just have to wonder if it wasn't to avoid those that are around him. Sometimes we will get into crowds or stay out of sight or out of mind so we aren't noticed to anyone who feels this way. If I just keep my head down, I can come in here and do what I have to do and leave. And I want to say to human eyes, you might have come in here unnoticed on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, but the Holy Spirit has had his eyes on you for a long time now. And those are not eyes of judgment or evil or condemning, but eyes of someone who loves you and wants to know you. And if that's you and if you're here tonight and if you're at home watching, it's going to be okay. Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who did not need to repent. Jesus offers Zacchaeus love and grace, and he offers that to each of us. And for that, I am so thankful for his love and grace. I'm so thankful Jesus didn't leave me where he found me. Can anyone else say amen to that? Gordon MacDonald said, the world can do almost anything as well or better than the church. You don't need to be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, help the sick. There is only one thing the world cannot do. It cannot offer grace. If the praise team would go ahead and come. You know, when we leave here tonight, the mandate for us in our community should be to give what the world cannot. Don't compete with the world. Just give what it doesn't have. What does grace look like? Go back to Luke 19 and check out in verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To seek and save the lost. You know, sometimes we get so satisfied with our little groups I don't know about many of you, but I, I love playing sports growing up. Y'all know me by now. I can't get enough of them. And I loved playing everything I could when I was back in grade school. And I always enjoyed our recess time, and we would play kickball, and we had to pick teams. And we would go back and forth until we got to the last person. And always, all, you know how it is. When you're picking teams, who always gets picked last? The worst player. I know this because I'm really bad at basketball. 
And no one ever wants to take the bad player. We might say, we might say things like this. I'm sorry, we don't have more, any more room. Sorry, game's closed. I wonder if we've ever had that attitude in the church world. Someone wants to be a part of the groups and we're like, nope, sorry, no more room here. God forgive us if we ever say that to somebody. Why did Jesus come to this earth? To fight evil? No, but he did. To fulfill prophecy, yes, but that's not all. To perform miracles, yeah, but there's more. To watch Christians gather on a Sunday and make us feel really, really good. Jesus Christ came to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. And church, if that is not our heartbeat, if that is not everything that is driving us, what or who are we following? I've been saved now close to 22 years and whilst there's been some feelings and desires have come and gone, there's one thing inside of me. Give me the chance to talk to your kid. Give me the chance to talk to some kid that comes on the bus. I don't care. I want to share with them what God's done in my life. And I don't care if they're red, yellow, black, or white. I don't care if they're on the rich side of town, poor side of town. I don't care if they came here smelling like they crawled through stuff. They're a soul and Jesus values them and I should too. You know, when I met my wife, Ashley, she was like most other girls. Always wanted to go see those movies us guys called chick flicks. There was movies back when we were dating, things called Center Stage, 10 Things I Hate About You, Notting Hill. And just to be bluntly honest, before Ashley, if you tried to get me in those movies, you'd had a better chance of getting me hunting, just to be honest. But there, something happened. I met this girl named Ashley Nicole, and I found out she really, really liked those kind of movies. And as I started spending more time with her, I fell in love with Ashley, and I started to enjoy the things that she did too. So much so that one of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called Sweet Home Alabama. I love that movie. You say, why did you enjoy them? No, I didn't enjoy the movies. But church, I'm not an idiot. Two to three hours sitting next to the girl I liked every night. I was watching those movies. My daddy didn't raise no idiot. Why are you saying this, Pastor Mike? Because the more I've been around her, 17 years of marriage and going, two years of dating, I fall more and more in love with that girl every day. I fall in love with her dreams, her passion, her desires, her goals in life. I can't, I can't stop but love that girl. And church, when you fall in love with Jesus, you will begin to love what he loves too. Jesus loves the lost. He loves the liar. He loves the drunk, the cheater. He loves everyone regardless whether you do or not. You know, I want to close with this. I know the last few weeks have just been a little bit of a rough patch at our church. And I'm going to say something that's going to confuse a lot of y'all. It's been rough. But I still believe we're in revival. 
You say, what are you saying, Pastor Michael? Are we having service tomorrow night? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Something Pastor Randy used to say a couple years ago when he had to fill in for Pastor Miller with his back surgery. Something's moving. Something's changing. Regardless of our present circumstances, things are happening. We've had to shut down this year. We've had to cancel events left and right, postpone things, hope we can get in there at some point. The greatest outreach our church does, the Christmas play, we don't have this year. But through that rough patch, ministry is still happening. Lives are still being changed. Our church members are doing things behind the scenes a lot of y'all don't know about. We have a recovery group that, that is here every Monday night and they're blowing it out of the roof. So much so that there were some here in our Sunday school classes today. We have Bible studies with groups on nights other than church. The youth group meets, I believe it's on Thursday night, am I right, Pastor Zach? Thursday night. There's discipleship happening. Things are happening. We're still moving forward, just maybe not in the way we're used to. But with everything that is going on, it would be a tragedy if we were to look back on this time in our church, in this place, in this history, and remember what's happening years from now. Like for example, what if one day I had a grandchild and he looked at me and said, Grandpa, what did you do about it? Well, I was there every Sunday and Wednesday. Well, what else did you do about it? Well, I was there every Sunday and Wednesday. Did you serve at Recovery Fest? No, I didn't. The music was way too loud for me. Did you help with life groups? No, my schedule was just way too busy. Did you help with the youth retreat? No, I didn't really care for that. Did you, did you serve in an outreach? No. Well, surely you served on a Sunday or Wednesday, right, Grandpa? I don't want to look back and say, no, I didn't. You know, I love the stories. I love the memories. I'm a product of Ninth and Cedar. And it's easy to get caught up in the stories and memories of what was and not live in what God is wanting to do right now. Because whether you believe it or not, we're in the middle of something great. I know the world seems like it's falling apart, but this ain't taking God by surprise. God is still moving. God is still on the throne. Something's moving. Something is changing. This is not just something for the Christians who have it all together. This is for every person in this room and every person that may be watching online or will watch this in a few days. Matthew 38, 36, 38 says this. When he looked over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to the disciples. But how few the workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. If you would stand with me tonight.